0: episode of the podcast i talk with director writer and producer mclean Linquist. he did the movie the telltale heart it's a really killer horror short film that you definitely should check out um, highly recommend that one um, yeah this is a fun podcast uh, we talk metal we talk movies we also talk werewolves so that's always a plus so hope you enjoy this one and thanks for checking it out all right we are live now how's everything going your way mclean Going great. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem, man. Thanks for being on. I've been um, a fan of your film since you sent me that screener, man, of The Telltale Heart. It was great.
1: All right. So what we like to hear. Yeah,
0: I've noticed um, it's been making its way through a bunch of festivals and stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, so far we're in 30-plus film festivals uh, in 20 countries, I believe, and we've won 40-plus uh, awards, so... Yeah, it's been well received. It's really cool uh, meeting people across the world as well. Um, Really, uh, the filmmakers, the other filmmakers kind of cherish those um, relationships that I've had. So it's going good, even though it's kind of strange because the vast majority are uh, digital, online, streaming, um, film festivals. But that's what we're dealing with in the world. So it is what it is. And uh, we've taken advantage of it. So it's been great. That's killer um I did
0: the uh Horror Hound weekend festival was a uh, all virtual one it was like um sometime earlier this year and they had your film on there I was like oh man that's killer like you know going all over the place there
1: <laughs> Yeah Horror Hound was really cool I think we won an award from them as well it's hard to keep them straight but yeah Horror Hound was great and I uh, that's fun for me because it's a term that I have always used a Horror Hound
0: so yeah yeah, that, that's a cool term and it's catchy too. So, <laughs> like horror hound, yeah, I've used that before. I knew about the magazine. It's like, oh yeah, I'm a horror hound. You know, I'm always looking for different horror movies and stuff like that. So, and it was cool when I found out about the magazine and stuff. So, you
1: can sniff it out.
0: Mhm. I have a friend that works over there. Uh, J.K. I don't know if you ever ever talked to him before, but I think he does like publicity and stuff for horror hound, if I'm not mistaken. But um, uh, he's really killer, and um, uh, he's doing a short film that's going around in some festivals right now. So
1: nice. Right, so I'll hit him up.
0: Yeah. yeah, JK is great. So, um, how did you get started in film? Like how did, tell me your origin story.
1: Um, uh, through music videos, uh, my band, uh, basement pros, uh, we had toured, um, all over and, um, had multiple releases, but we never did a music video. And since I'm very opinionated and was always talking about films, I got tasked the uh, role of writer, director, and producer of our three music videos that we did. And uh, through that, I kind of cut my teeth learning, you know, the the tricks of the trade. And each one just uh, became bigger and bigger. And it was kind of just a natural progression and very organic to then do a a short film. And I've always thought The Telltale Heart would make a really cool short film because it's an incredibly cool short story and uh, also I, I think it just uh deserves the justice of a, you know kind of modern take on it so it's you know slick and intense and maybe a little gory and uh i figured that'd be a good start as well to get into film so it's my first film and um it's been really well received uh i just have a, a strong passion for the craft of, of filmmaking and um just kind of went for it i believe if you uh just truly work hard towards something and, and have a true passion you're going to put yourself in the position to uh maybe capture you know lightning in a in a bottle so and I, which i believe that we did with the telltale heart so music videos brought me here that's killer uh, what kind of music did you play uh, our fans call it hip rock, mm-hmm. which is fine by me. Um, we're eclectic, uh, kind of across the board. But that's really cool with, uh, you know, music today, uh, that kids uh, aren't defined by the, the boundaries of genres of music. When I was coming up, you couldn't listen to punk and heavy metal. Well, that, that was a big no-no. You couldn't listen to country and say pop music you couldn't listen to even r&b and say rap or hip-hop which is just insane when you think about it and nowadays kids are just like i like that song they don't even you know recognize it as a genre um being any different than any other songs that they hear they just like it and that's awesome that those walls have been broken down so
0: yeah that's definitely killer man i listen well i was in a band for uh, about 17 years of my life i was in a Kind of a black and sludge metal band, and we um, nice. toured across the United States a few times, and you know, put out a good bit of material and stuff. And um, yeah, you meet a bunch of different folks doing that, like different tastes of music. You know, myself, I listen to everything from Drab Majesty to The Smiths, all the way to like you know Primitive Man and some of the heaviest metal out there and stuff. You know, but uh, it's great to have like a a nice spectrum of stuff that you like.
1: You know. Yeah, I lean towards. I mean, I mean, I've never heard a genre. Uh, that I don't like. It really bothers me when people say that uh, when you ask them what type of music that, do they like, and they say, I like everything. And then you, you say, so you're a big Cannibal Corpse fan. No, you're a big Slayer fan. Oh, I can't stand that. You like Tupac. I can't stand rap. Just whatever it is, you know, <laughs> it's like you mm-hmm. don't like all forms of music. Um, I've never heard a, a genre of music that I didn't like. There's some that don't really move me much. Bluesgrass would, would be one, but mm-hmm. um yeah you know it's just uh find you know whatever moves you and that's what m- music does uh, i tend to to gravitate to the darker stuff so i like you know hard rock and heavy metal and um the, the extreme metals as well um so i'm sure i would have jammed your your doom sludge band
0: <laughs> yeah i have um, to send you the link once we get done talking to stuff i cool. send you a link to it and stuff or bandcamp page and stuff so
1: yeah, I have uh, Gentry Densley uh, playing some guitar for Joel Pack on the score for the Telltale Heart. And he's in Iceburn and uh, Eagle Twin, which are on Southern Lord. Oh, yeah, their, no new album, mm-hmm. their new album's real sludgy. Iceburn just put out a new album. It's really good, and it's really doom-laden. And um, they've kind of gone away from their jazzy thing. It's just like straight-up kind of Sabbath, um, you know, Masters of Reality type stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that really struck stuck out for me too. With the film, was the soundtrack, man. Like the heavy metal riffs, like you know, t- t- towards the end and stuff. Like, okay, this has got some uh, some dark shit going on, you know, music wise.
1: Yeah, I was listening to Neurosis, which I just thought was a really good kind of you know linear connector uh, as I was writing the the screenplay. Um, that just kind of you know, they they obviously with the name like Neurosis, they're dealing with psychological. Stuff and they're very, you know, kind of um, deep and intellectual band. That's um, also incredibly heavy, you know. Define one of my favorite bands. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, mine as well. I've I've seen them numerous times. Uh, You know, I just I I love everything about Neurosis, and um, that obviously was a big influence on me within the writing. But um, even more so with with Joel, uh, I, I referenced some neurosis stuff and um you can hear it in there um but yeah i I didn't want to do the kind of traditional where it's like you just drop in a white zombie song and it's like oh i you know (laughs) i get it it's horror i wanted to do something different and so the 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 entire score the whole soundtrack is a character in and of itself where it speaks and it also you know listens and um it's just it really the music and sound uh both just took my my movie to the next level but that, there's so many movies famous movies that are that way where if you pull out the sound and the music they're not as good and so you know being coming from a, a music musical <laughs> from a music background um i wanted the music to be you know a a really strong you know character within the the whole movie so that was that was from jump and i wanted to also not do it so um i didn't want to be that guy so i had joel pack do it and he did you know way better than i ever could have so yeah music is my life
0: that's killer, man. And um, uh, a good soundtrack and a good, you know, it really provides an atmosphere to a film and it can make or break a film, especially for me, because, you know, music is a big part of my life as well. So, you know, if the soundtrack is weak or, you know, something like that. It is the movie can suffer.
1: Oh, for sure. If you take out the music of Jaws, you know, it's not the same movie. Um, and also, but then on the, the flip side, there's, your, you know, a movie like No Country for Old Men has no music. So um, both work, you know, uh, very well. The absence of, of music, you could only do that for so long. But, yeah, it just sound and music go hand in hand with moving pictures for me. It's I think my movies will always have. Um, A very musical touch to him, but not like in the sense of Paul Thomas Anderson or, you know, Quentin Tarantino or whomever. Um, We we did something different and I'll continue to kind of subvert, you know, expectations so you can expect that. Yeah, um, I'm sure you've seen this since you're a big
0: Neurosis fan, but did you watch the uh, DVD that came out, I think, maybe in early 2000s late 90s it was the sun that Never sets the whole like musical
1: music video dvd they put out yeah i remember yeah. one that really moved me was uh it was like a bald tree and it yeah. was um i think it maybe the, it was like a gimbal shot or something that it was rotating but it was just really stark it was just this one image um and that really stuck with me because it, it felt you know like watching an old hammer horror movie or something like that mm-hmm. uh, neurosis isn't campy like that at all and and that wasn't i don't think meant to inspire that but yeah that one sticks out for me the uh, the bald tree i don't think it's set against the full moon or whatever but it's just this this dead tree in a field <laughs> it's really moving mm-hmm. they're just incredible everything about them um i just i'm in awe of what Neurosis does. Yeah, I've seen them uh two or three times,
0: but the most notable time was in the mas- it was at the masquerade in Atlanta because um it was a real intimate show. Zem and Wake was on the bill, and man, just seeing them as close as I was because last time I seen them before that was at like the Scion Music Festival, and that was also in Atlanta years before that. But being up close and personal, neurosis and the whole crowd acting as one, it was man, it was like a a spiritual thing, man. You know what I mean? Like this, it, it moved you. Like it was on a different plane of existence.
1: Yeah, there's a handful of bands like that. When when you when you're there, it is it's almost like church. It is like religious because you know there's this community aspect and the call and response a- aspect of even just you know a band putting out music and then the audience you know clapping and yelling back at them. It's, it's cyclical. uh But yeah, their 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 shows are beyond you know intense and also you know really spiritual it, it's weird there's uh, only a handful of bands that can kind of tread that that water there it, it's a it's a fine line to walk and they do it um they're they're incredible so yeah it's uh they're, it it is like a very moving religious experience when you see them live they're they're one of a handful of bands that um the uh, a video or a, uh you know audio recording will never capture what what they put out live but that's music music is meant to be heard live and they're really loud which is awesome as well mm-hmm. yeah i've seen them i've seen them a handful of times throughout throughout their uh history so uh, i've i've been there for neurosis i, I love them so uh and it's, it's cool seeing them and, and other bands like melvin's and High on Fire and, and other bands getting recognition now and uh, building their audiences still. So kudos to to holding the, uh, the hard rock, heavy metal, you know, candle or flame and, and keep it burning. Yeah, most definitely. And I
0: just think it's killer how, you know, Neurosis ties into, you know, some of your motivation for the Telltale Heart. You know, this is really awesome because I like when music or metal in general can tie into like horror, you know, it's a good combo
1: yeah I, you know initially I, I kind of oscillated between should this be symphonic uh should it be electronic should it be you know kind of doom sludge heavy metal um and you know went went all three ways and then we realized why why don't we do all three and it breathes it's a, it's uh you know it's a movement in and of itself it's progressive and you know um it's just, it works really well uh and uh the, the musicians that, that Joel brought in, kudos to all of them as well. So uh Megan Allman, uh Aaron Child, Sophie Blair, Gentry Densley, and, and Joel himself. So they just knocked it out the park. And um I am super grateful. How was the uh casting process for this? Cause um
0: I know uh Sonny was fucking awesome, and so was the guy that played the old man, man. He was super creepy.
1: Like how yes. did the casting go for that? Well, so I I hooked up with with Chris Hansen, world-renowned special effects makeup artist. Mm -hmm. He was the first person to sign on, and that instantly gave me credibility. And he said he knew someone for the narrator, and he introduced me to James C. Morris, um, who played the old man. Uh, Mm -hmm. Pretty quickly, I realized, you know, he's a a makeup artist, if you will. So he's the the man of a thousand masks. So he's, you know, he... you throw some plastic on him and paint him up. <laughs> he, he does the rest. He's a really talented actor. So I realized this is my old man. Uh, I wasn't going to cast someone of that age and punish them with 19 hours on set and having uh, you know, 150 pounds, Sonny Grimsley laying on top of you for 45 minutes as we light the shot, you know? So mm-hmm. that was never going to happen. We're, I know people have referenced, like, why didn't they use you know, a 90-year-old guy? Well, I'm not going to punish people like that. But James was incredible. Um, he His role, I only took the two lines out of the uh, story. My, my brother did all the the dialogue uh, for the movie, and I just took the couple lines that are in the story, and, and that was two lines for the old man. Mm-hmm. And when James walked on set, it was just instant that, oh, I've got to get – more lines for this guy so we wrote lines that day and then he performed them the next day where that was not an initial script but just seeing james do his thing on set it was like oh okay it's official i need this guy talking and interacting with the narrator because he's just he's too good yeah and speaking of too good sonny grimsley is too good so he's just incredible and uh, all the accolades that have come his way he totally deserves um I didn't know that he was a method actor until he was <laughs> on set the first day, which threw me. Um, but I just kind of stayed away from him and uh, just whispered in his ear at times and uh, just, you know, kind of encouraged him to, to stay in the character, which he didn't really need help. And um, I never made eye contact with him for that that full week. But, yeah, the casting process was uh, it was just an open uh casting call, so it was cattle call, <laughs> which is it? mm-hmm. awful, but whatever. Um, yeah, and I figured, oh, this is going to be really hard to find these people to fit these these roles that I wanted. Um, so I, I did the casting as well with my team. It was pretty extensive. I think there was about 10 of us or whatever involved, but um, the, it was the opposite problem. We had so many people that, that came in that were so good, including mm-hmm. Taryn Turner, who uh, ended up as the detective. That role was written originally for a black man like Danny Glover. I'm getting too old for this shit, kind of thing. Right. Quickly, that became the the female, where she was an older, you know, black woman, kind of, you know, large and in charge. And then um, it was an older uh, white man, uh, you know, kind of like past his prime, not very aggressive, not intense, whatever. And Taron came in. We all figured he was reading for the narrator, and he's this big guy. I was like, oh, huh. And, uh, but he read for the detective, and pretty quickly I realized, oh, this, I think this is the guy, and, uh, this is where the character needs to go. He's more of an intense person. He's, he's not really burned out. He's just, you know, wants to go home. And, uh, then that changed the next role as well, which was Micah. Uh, and, uh, she, she came in, and, and I I connected with her as well. So I figured, okay, yeah, she's, she's the, the police officer and it originally it's kind of her pov she uh if it was a full-length movie it would basically be through her eyes and um to me she's the hero of the story but uh yeah so the casting it was tough uh, as far as picking uh who was going to play what and all that uh, other than james he, he signed um right on the dotted line, so to speak, uh, without even reading the script. He just, he came on board and uh, we we had those four. And uh, we were off to the races. We did a ton of uh, pre-production. So a lot of uh, rehearsal and and then also blocking as well. So, and my brother did the second AD work, which he was really great with the actors as well. So Mm -hmm. that's killer. And how did you
0: and um how did you get Chris uh how did you get Chris Hansen on board? Uh just I guess
1: he liked my style. Yeah, <laughs> I just killer. lucked out, yeah. Uh. I you know because he he wasn't the first person that I reached out to is actually towards the end where it's kind of disheartening. Uh I got a lot of no's mm-hmm. <laughs> up to that point. Uh basically from everybody and, and I understand that, you know. I've never done anything first time filmmaker and all that. And when you hear the telltale heart, it's like I'm like the thousandth person to do this. And it's usually your student film or your, your first film. Um, so yeah, it's got kind of a uh, failure written all over it. I, underst- I understood that. So that never bothered me, but Chris, uh, we just connected um, over Chris can talk um, probably like a two, three hour phone conversation. It was like, yeah uh, let's do this and uh, i was in his studio which is like a dream come true as you know a a horror hound Mm -hmm. a kid that you're in a special effects makeup studio and designing yeah (laughs) 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 stuff for a horror movie was just like oh man if the uh the 10 year old mclean could see himself now he'd be pretty impressed so that's killer man um What kind of films did you grow up with that you love, like horror films? Horror films? Um, My favorite of all times, Evil Dead 2. But, uh, like, The Exorcist shook me to my core. Um, And then going back, like, The Omen and Rosemary Baby are also really good movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Halloween got me. Um, The Thing, for sure, like, there was a lot of, like, uh, kind of flops that ended up on late night TV cable tv turner stuff uh so like the thing uh john carpenter's the thing and also the original um uh on on turner as well and and seen like war of the worlds the fly uh the blob uh, invasion of the body snatchers and then to the 80s you know it just like exploded and so one that really stuck out for me was hellraiser and hellraiser 2. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, I mean, it's endless. The Shining was, like, massive. Uh, That was, like, cultural to me. I hadn't even seen the movie, and um, I probably knew more about it than, you know, most Mm -hmm. people that had seen it. Um, American Werewolf in London, The Howling, um, those were just, like, movies that I saw. The Howling was the first horror movie that I saw, and shortly thereafter, I saw American Werewolf in London, and so I'm just a solidified werewolf guy um but yeah i mean it just it goes on and on i love italian horror so argento's you know really kind of the tops for me baba and, and Fulci are great as well and and others but yeah italian horror uh south korean uh japanese british you know mm-hmm. i just I, I love horror across the board and also like you know, throughout history as well. So the Dr. Jekylls and Mr. Hyde's and uh, all the Universal Monsters stuff. Uh, the list goes on and on. And then Gateway stuff, the Gremlins. I love all of Joe Dante's stuff. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the like the Lost Boys, uh, Predator, Alien. Um, and then Artsy stuff as well. I I just, you know, really love... The genre and uh, i like deep dives and uh, i like it all from art house to you know just trashy b movies or slashers or whatever
0: so yeah it sounds like we're on the same boat there i'm the same way man like my hard, like the things i like in hard or vast i go from like slashers all the way to super art house stuff in between you know I got a big love for werewolf movies so that's my one of my main things but there hasn't been a really good one in the past maybe 20 years really
1: hold your breath <laughs> because it's coming yeah, I, know. Ah, I'm starting I don't know how it. long but yeah i've got one. Oh, sweet <laughs> hell yeah yeah, yeah it's movie. it's uh the script's not done but the uh the treatment basically is i'll do the outline and um and eventually uh do the script so that'll probably be in conjunction with my brother as well. I'm not certain though. No. Is that going to be a full length? Yeah. Yep.
0: Nice. You're going to have like to have a metal soundtrack with at. that one. What's that? I say you're going to have to have a heavy metal soundtrack with this one, man.
1: Yeah. You know, it's uh, I could do that. Um, but also uh, I have a saying, serve the song um, that I apply to, to the situations within, within movie making. Mm -hmm. It's like sometimes you go into writing a song and you have this chord progression or this lyric or whatever melody that was the impetus for you sitting down and and writing this music. And when you get together with the band or even as you're, you're like formulating it. Mm -hmm. and arranging it, you realize that isn't necessary, and you lose it, and it's not even there anymore, but it was the whole reason that you wrote this song, but the song is is served because you let go of that, and, you know, it's just like whatever the song needs at that point, do that, so I don't want to get too tied down to say, oh yeah, well, all my stuff will have, you know, like heavy metal, but... i don't see how it wouldn't so no. um yeah i'm sure i'll probably get that tag as well uh and that's fine i, I can live with it because it sounds really cool <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, yeah i'm metal, really excited man. i wish i could like you know go into details and all that but um yeah i i've um i have some pre-production stuff as well uh artwork and uh some of the monster design uh so,
0: <laughs> oh, and that makes me excited, dude. Like, yeah. we've been on a little bit of a drought in the werewolf genre for a while. Long There's been a few here yeah. and there,
1: but you know, a long, long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> they're just, just most, most werewolf movies really, uh, just swing and a miss, mm. um, if you will, uh, just are off for whatever reason. Um, yeah, and it's a shame that they deserve better werewolves do <laughs> so i i'm gonna try my best to make you know one of those movies that that sticks out uh in the genre of werewolves killer
0: yeah maybe it'll replace the whole zombie genre man because i'm so burned out on zombies it's not yeah i mean zombies have been like what past 15 years straight zombie everything Fucking
1: yeah zombie. i was, I, guess, I don't know if you can be traced anything but it kind of feels like was it danny boyle um with the uh, 28 days later, I kind of I know they're not zombies per se. Um, yeah, but, that was kind of a big jump uh, off the infected, point. Now. But but that that and then, um, uh, dawn of or yeah, dawn of the dead. Um, was that Zack Snyder? I think. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah um, so. And that was great too. Like oh what what, what I, I really liked both of those remakes or or that remake and 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 I liked what uh, 28 days later did where. Kind of, you know, flipping the genre on its head. But yeah, shortly thereafter, it was just an explosion. I remember joking uh, when I was in school up in Portland, Oregon. I had a, a classmate, and he was like, oh, zombie movies are about to explode. And I was like, oh, whatever, dude. I mean, you, there hadn't been a zombie movie in, I mean, from that point, it was maybe Savini's uh, Night of the Living Dead was probably or, uh, around that time. Maybe, um yeah, it's probably it. Um, there was just nothing. And then it just became where it's saturated at this point now. But, um, I think, you know, when something gets like that too, it does provide the opportunity for, a you know, a slick movie that somebody is coming from a different angle, you know, mm-hmm. um, because everyone's expecting something. So it, it's, it's easy to, you know, kind of subvert that. So I'd like to take a shot at that. Maybe. Yeah, you know. put
0: your style on it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I got trust in you man. I think you could pull it off, you know, you <laughs> know, best, give some different. The best ones that that stick out are the ones that do something different and it's usually about, you know, like family or um you know, just life in general and um zombie movies do lend you know, it's it's really easy to to uh, touch on um, you know, metaphors and, and and society and things of that issue. It's or those problems uh Kind of manifest within zombies where typically it's the, the humans are worse than the actual monsters but mm-hmm. um but yeah it is it, it's it's a sponge and it's currently overflowing but you know i guess give give the people what they want or whatever that's just not really my style i like i said i, I want to be known as the person that subverts horror so uh what kind of films have you been watching uh recently that
0: caught your eye like anything good you want to mention
1: Oh man, I'm. I watch so many movies. Um, I watch Same, at least yeah. a movie a day. Um, uh, I just recently watched because it was the uh, 44th anniversary, I believe. Uh, Suspiria, uh, nice. Dario Argento's. My favorite's Deep Red, but Suspiria is just such a masterpiece, and um, it's just ethereal, and um, you know, it is like a fairy tale. And it's also so campy and over the top and um and also just beautiful within the cinematography and especially the gaff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that I mean that that's nothing new. Um but yeah, I just I watch so many movies and it, it it's mostly, you know, horror, but I I, I I watch everything as well. Uh I caught up to uh Freaky which uh, I just watched about a week ago and I mm-hmm. thought that was great. I was expecting that to be really bad and I just had a really good time with that. It was like okay, they're not taking themselves too seriously and just having fun with you know this this slasher trope. Mm-hmm. Um and that's too that's cool as well that there's a there's a few movies that are subverting um the tropes and those those are are really cool. Um, what's is it, is it called? Behind the Mask. Um, Leslie, Leslie Gordon. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a great cool. movie, man. Yeah. That's you know, it's like oh, this is this is how you do this because people are accustomed to you know the movie being formulaic, so they they you can basically guess the next you know. Step and a movie like that is just totally like oh wow it's behind the green curtain Wizard of Oz style you know and it's like oh what if type thing and those movies are really cool when it's it's something different um and also that just that just lends to to creativity so
0: they were supposed to do a sequel to Behind the Mask man but I don't know what happened to that I think they ended up doing a comic book instead. But they were supposed to do another film, and this was years ago when that came out. So I don't know what happened with that. But I, I was waiting for a sequel, dude. You know, or a prequel at least. You know.
1: Yeah, I, I could I could see them. You know, that that wouldn't feel like a, a cash cow where they're you know milking it or whatever. That 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 lens, that story yeah. would lend to even a prequel or or pick up from that point there. Um, yeah, just so many movies, too many too many to name uh, i mean you'd have to get into like some genres of horror and uh then i could focus my brain more on picking out a specific movie i keep track of all my stuff
0: i watch i watch a lot of shit too tv wise and movie wise i uh keep track on the internet movie database app on my phone because my oh, memory okay. is so bad i forget what the fuck i just watched if it doesn't really hit me you know so I just keep track on that. I rate everything on there and stuff. And awesome. if something really hits me, I'll write a review and stuff. Throw it on my website. Nice. Like uh, today, I watched Sensor. Have you seen Sensor?
1: I don't think I have.
0: Okay, that's it's our early viewing right now. You can rent it on Amazon. It's still in theaters, but you can rent it yeah. on there for like seven bucks. Fucking amazing <laughs> movie, man. It's it's a, I believe it's a British film, and um, it's based off of like the 1980s when they were doing like the. Uh, that all the censorship over in england and stuff over like the um you know super gory movies i can't remember the name they called it or whatever but it was like a super gory shit they would censor and abandon all stuff all these band movies and everything uh that's what this is about but it takes like a uh uh like a it takes a horror trip down like a like a thriller type um dark hole of violence man like it's hard to explain you without giving shit away just definitely check it out it's called Censor. it's super awesome super nice. dark a lot of gore and stuff but well, check it it's trippy I, as fuck too i like your your
1: taste of uh, video nasties
0: i think is yeah there you the go that's maybe. it video, video nasties
1: right yeah so they mm-hmm. um yeah and, and kudos to whoever did that it was all it was kind of similar to the pmrc in, in, in america that that made the list um tipper gore and all that and it, so it was basically like hey check out these bands and check out these movies <laughs> so, mm-hmm. some of them i never heard of and it was like oh man thank god for this list so yeah that backfired uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah video nasties i believe was the uk term yeah that's it and that's what this is
0: based on but you know it's a hard oh, movie
1: so, nice
0: yeah, yeah, yeah I, i'm, I'm all
1: over that i love meta stuff like that you know It's Stephen King likes to write about writers. Right. And Mm -hmm. um, it's fun as a filmmaker to see movies about movies or within a movie type thing. That's just it's fun. (laughs) So I don't know if that's played out or if people don't like that, but I can just tell you as a as a filmmaker, that's really cool to have that moment where you're, you know, a film within a film, if you will.
0: Mm hmm. If you've read the uh, Dark Tower series by Stephen King, he even throws himself into the fucking book. Like, ask Stephen King. Stephen King is in there, like, as a writer. It's fucking crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that ends here in uh, Utah, in, in Green River, right? <laughs> I believe so, yeah. Fucking crazy. Yeah, Green River's nice. That's where uh, Powell pushed off down the uh, Colorado River. That's, a, <laughs> that's a, about the extent. I think there's... Uh, There's a blimpy there, which is nice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Are you a big King fan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, He's maybe the greatest storyteller of all time. You know, he's not like the most eloquent writer, Uh, but his stories are incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some times where sticking the landings, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, huh, okay. But he he likes that. That's kind of his thing. It's the third act, if you will, being being where the, the left-hand turn is, where it's typically in the second. But, um, yeah, his influence is pervasive. It's cultural. Um, whether you want to or not, it, his language, if you will, is going to um, influence you because anything that you've seen or heard since uh, the the late 70s, early 80s, is uh going to be directly influenced by him so that's uh, impossible not to mm-hmm. um yeah and he just taps into you know uh, fun things that people can relate to um you know kind of americana as well he definitely has a line on on you know the, the heartbeat mm-hmm. of america so it's it's uh it's neat what he does. He's, he's like I said. He he's, might be the greatest storyteller of all time.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that, man. For me, it's King and uh, Clyde Barker. Those are two of the best, and that's pretty much all I fucking read
1: or listen yeah. to. Yeah, so. uh, Clive's Clive's a genius. Um, like I, I mentioned, Hellraiser. Um, Hellraiser is oh man, such a massive, massive influence on me uh, as a horror fan. But more uh, so as a filmmaker. So both one and two. I know he didn't. He didn't make two. But um, but yeah, those, those two films. Wow. Um, just everything about it and about him. He's just a really incredible storyteller as well. He's so stripped down. Where King is very you know in depth. Mm. Um, Clive kind of leaves it up to you. Um, he's not all that descriptive, you know? And so like you kind of do the work with some of the, you know, the darker elements and that works because there's nothing darker than what's in your own brain. Cause you know, what scares you and that's where you go. Um, so yeah, he's incredible. Um, I, I he obviously isn't going to, but boy, that would be really cool if, if he made another movie again. Um, you know, and seeing, like, like Nightbreed, his cut, yeah. which I watched a couple months ago, wow, okay, because I was so critical of that movie up to that point, that was right. just a really big disappointment, and then to see his cut, it was like, oh, this is a good movie, this is how this should have been cut, it's yeah. still, you know, um, the 80s, and there's still some parts that are kind of hokey or whatever, but that um, his his cut, which I think is on Shutter currently, I mm-hmm. believe you can watch his his director's cut is yeah, really so. good, really good. Um, I'm shocked. So um, but I would love to see him come back, but I don't think that'll ever happen.
0: Well, I'm hearing some things uh, around now because uh, Barker is back to feeling better because after all the craziness that he went through these past. What 10 years or whatever with stuff you know there's all kinds of bizarre things happen to him but health-wise he's starting to come back again and i'm hearing talks of him and mick garris have something going on i'm not sure exactly what it is but those are two of the greatest minds in horror you know so whatever yeah. it is to be killer it could be a book it could be i don't know it Could and be a movie, tv series so is it
1: showtime that's doing um the hellraiser series i think it's hbo hbo cool yeah Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that's going to be good. <laughs> that's one where uh, I, I went, I'm not big into reboots or anything like that. But if someone asked me to do Hellraiser, I would pounce on that. Mm-hmm. But I would want to do those th- those first two stories um, uh, for sure. Uh, I, that I I would that would be a dream come true. Yeah, that would be killer.
0: But yeah, Clyde Barker is back to business, from what I've understand. I mean, he was on the there's more than podcast recently it was like one of the best episodes ever Mick Garris and fucking Clyde Barker I mean you don't get no better than that in my you know my eyes so
1: yeah they're, they're both like fucking they've, awesome. got their, they've got the street cred pass for sure you know mm-hmm. they they can get an in any any convention they want to <laughs> you know
0: i mean they're two of the biggest names around man like they're awesome and very inspirational
1: yep yeah. yeah, both um makes very you know diverse as well uh he does a lot of things within the industry and uh is very respected for a reason and he seems i've never met him or anything but he seems like very genuine uh nice person
0: yeah i'm friends with him on facebook which is pretty badass (laughs) nice um, i've got to tell him the white feel about him and stuff like Hey, man you know you're very inspirational you're awesome and you know he's like thank you so
1: yeah it's it's really cool uh that that social media has also you know uh torn down that wall of um, it's, it was really a tower right where i mean you i couldn't i can't imagine reaching out to roger waters of pink floyd or you know um plant or page from zeppelin you know on, right. on the phone or whatever and you know like tool in the early 90s as well it, it, there's a reason that those bands still have that mystique it, it was because they were guarded um and i don't think you could do that nowadays i don't think you could you'd be a mysterious band if you will and I think that's a good thing um, that you can just reach out to whomever and they might just hit you back and be like, Hey, thanks. You know, it's like, wow, that's cool. It's super cool. when these people that you've respected or admired, you know, enjoyed their art throughout life that they, mm-hmm. they like one of your comments or they, you know, throw something back at you. It's like, wow. All right. That just happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. just, that's a screenshot for sure. Like, <laughs> Like yeah,
0: every time uh, Tony Todd shares my cat pictures on Twitter, man, I'm always like, hell yeah, because he likes to do like uh, Catterday stuff and us share our cat nice. pictures up there with Tony Todd and he starts sharing them and stuff like that. It's pretty fucking badass when the Candyman shares my cat pics.
1: <laughs> yeah, he seems like a cool dude as well. Um, I'm glad that, you know, he's getting some shine and hopefully here we'll get even more as the OG Candyman. So and I'm really excited to, to see this new version. Um, that was a favorite of mine. That was another Clive story, of course. Um, you know, and then they made a few subtle changes and those changes were genius. Um, so yeah, that, that's a a really unsung movie, uh, that that it does not get its credit. Um, and hopefully this this new version will, will blow up, um, and, and make a ton of money, similar to what the evil dead did back in 13 or whatever that was, um, where it's like, yeah, this franchise deserves to have a big hit regardless of, of what it is. So yeah. Candyman rules.
0: Tony Todd's rap. Yeah, he is. And, um, I know he's going to be in the new Candyman too, which is cool because most people think, Oh, it's a remake. It's not necessarily a remake. It's more of a uh, sequel type deal from what I've read. You know, yeah. it's to cool. It's gonna be, it's different, you know. It was like, oh, don't do, it's gonna be a stupid remake. I'm like, no, dude, you read on it some more, man, you know. <laughs> I'm for it. I'm for whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, new horror, man. I've been looking forward to that one since you know first got announced, and it got held back last year. It was coming out last year around this time, but yeah. now it looks like everything's good to go with the film, and it's coming out this year soon, very soon.
1: Yeah, Halloween and Ghostbusters and another – my movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just it's, – it, we're a year off. Well, it's basically like I took a whole year off. It sucks, but – uh, and I feel bad that the movie's not out and all that, but um, what can you do? I can't control anything like that, you know, worldwide pandemic and all that. So,
0: right. I mean, we're living our own horror story right now. So, you know. yeah,
1: I know this is definitely it. And I, um, you know, host, uh, which I, there's, there's a new movie, host was awesome and, and mm-hmm. just like flawless. Um, and I hope no one else tries to, to do that because they're going to fail. And also, I don't want to see any uh you know kind of pandemic horror because it's already been done that's why like people my age you know gen xers you know we were ready for this we grew up on these movies we've we've seen this so many times it's like yeah i know what to do you know when the the zombie apocalypse if you will hits um i don't want to see any of that that's no. i'm not I'm not I would not do anything even remotely related to that and nor do I want to see it. But if you want that uh during the peak last year host is just perfect.
0: Yeah, totally agree on that. Yeah, definitely, totally. What kind of what what other future plans do you got? What kind of projects are you have in the work that you can speak of? I know you got the werewolf thing going on.
1: Yeah, I've got like I've got it like probably about five scripts finished and then I've got some treatments, like I said, and some outlines as well. So it's probably about 10 different things that I could work on or around there. Um, if someone wants an anthology, uh, of Poe stuff, I have the cask of Amontillado and I have the black cat already written. Mm-hmm. And then I would have an actor playing Poe, um, Read the Raven and in between that kind of get interrupted and and do these, you know, short stories uh, and short films, uh, anthology, you know, vignettes, if you will. So, um, yeah, there's that. If someone wants that, I also have a full length uh, feature, uh, Shutter Canyon. Uh, It's a very linear story, so it's different from uh, my other movies. Um, It takes place in a canyon. (laughs) <laughs> so uh and i've got a kids movie part one if you will or i could extend it to a full-length feature it's called nelson the naughty elf it's kind of like the, the elf on the shelf that those kids do but this one's evil and possessed um mm-hmm. very joe dante ish um gateway horror stuff um that's done well probably um right part two um this uh, this winter I wrote that with my daughters. They came up with most of the stuff, so it was a lot of fun. Um, cool, huh? Have little little kids, little little girls writing help write my movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, my brother and I have got a a couple of projects. Um, he wrote a book, Geist Passage, and um, we'll turn that to a screenplay sometime. And he's got. A script called uh, Reaction that's, you know, it's in stages. It's basically written, but like any movie, there's so many rewrites and, you know, that's just how movies are made. And then I've got a found footage um, treatment and then three treatments. You heard that the werewolf one. I can't get into the specifics, but it's a they're all within the same universe and it's the same family, but they're not like connected. The movies, even the genres are all different. Um, Right. So yeah, it is that is, I'll just say that's set down in the four corners area of um the southwest here. So Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, and Arizona. Um so it's the Navajo Nation. Um and all the movies, those three movies take place there. Mm, cool. So yeah. Uh and I've got um I've got a um an outline and also I've started on uh a script for Carnival of Souls, which is in public domain because Herc didn't um register it. So here mm-hmm. in America, you can make your own Carnival of Souls if you'd like. And I'm Damn. thinking I just might. So <laughs> <laughs> um someone picked it up in Europe. But uh yeah, um that's I'm really proud of what I've done with that so far. Um but yeah I got I've got a lot. It's just uh whatever anybody wants. And then as far as the uh, Telltale Heart We've got uh, VHS tapes. Uh, we did a, a special edition, small run, hand signed. We've got a comic book, um, Telltale Heart that we did in conjunction with the movie, uh, Chris Bodily and uh, Zane here in Ogden, Utah. And uh, we'll be releasing, or at least having a premiere in October uh, here in Ogden, Utah. And also that day we will uh, release our uh, Telltale L. That we did in conjunction with Utah, a local brewery and restaurant here in, in, in Ogden, Utah, which nice. is Utah. And uh, it's uh Kolsch mandarin blood orange. And they put um, a couple of drops of food coloring. It doesn't affect the taste, but the beer is blood red. Oh, so, badass. <laughs> yeah. So we're excited about that. And then, you know, we'll be at the tail end of the film festivals here and Hopefully, there's a a path to a distribution, and then we can start on the next project, um, which I'm really excited about. And with the next project, I have no idea what it's going to be. So uh, if you want to write me a check for a million dollars and (laughs) you like the sound of any of those, I'll make you a badass movie, dude.
0: (laughs) Anybody listening, you know, if you got a million bucks, you know, there was one, I would do it. It's a good bet. <laughs> no,
1: I mean, I, that, that's if I had a million dollars, oh my goodness. Um, we are, you hear a short movie and you think this, this is people in their basement with bad lights and bad acting and not all that great of, you know, equipment or whatever. And this was the exact opposite. Um, we were on set at Redmond Studios. So. Um, what you see in the movie that was, that was not in a home that was on set, which, you know, 99% of movies are, are made that way where you can control the light. We only had a few exterior shots of the home and everything else, uh, is movie magic there at Redmond. Um, and we got the best, you know, equipment through Redmond. They gave us a really good deal and they were just really cool there. Um, and so, you know, we made a movie that looks like it cost probably three times more, um, than what we did. Um, but we also came in under budget and on time and, um, we're proud of that as a team that, um, you know, we, we worked our, our asses off and it shows for those six days that week. Um, you put in that blood, sweat and tears and, um, and you get, you know, a cool movie because it could have been shit too. Uh, but we, uh, we knocked it out the park and, and just kudos to everybody that was involved with the movie as well, because uh, it takes a, a, a village, you know, if yeah. you will, to uh, to make a movie. And, and I couldn't have done it with everyone from my PAs all the way up, you know, to my first AD. So um, I hope they're enjoying in this success as well, because it's probably more theirs than it is mine.
0: Y'all definitely killed it, man, like all the great success in the future, too, you know, which is already getting a bunch of cool success. But, you know, I think more good things are to come, you know.
1: Yeah, you know, just uh, like I said, if you're passionate and uh, you believe in something, a project or whatever. So if uh, if I do decide one of these, and you know, kind of bite, then then I become pretty myopic and uh, I will do whatever it takes to um, to get it done. Um, in in whatever capacity it is. But the the one thing that we're going to do is our our next project will always top the previous effort. So I I cannot take a step backwards from what I did with the Telltale Heart. That's just the beginning. The next step has to be beyond that. And then the one after that, beyond that as well. Or it's it's pointless if it's not progressing. Um, I'm just spinning my wheels. And um, that's not what I want to do as an artist. I want to uh, evolve and also push myself so um i I put myself in positions of uh that are really precarious because i don't know if i'm going to be able to pull off any of this and or or sometimes even how to do it and um and that'd be my advice to to filmmakers as well is to to do that go way beyond yourself and you you'll you might be surprised that you might just nail it um and if not then didn't make the movie (laughs) you tried but uh, yeah, go big or go home. And um, I definitely do that. So I, I would love to have future conversations about <laughs> my other movies here uh, with you. Um, but uh, we shall see. We'll just, uh, we'll take it day by day. And if this is, if the Telltale Heart is my, my one and only, I, I would be incredibly proud because it's far exceeded everything, all my expectations and, and everything that I ever, you know, could have dreamt of. It's it's that and more. So I, I'm I'm incredibly proud of our film
0: well that's killer man you know you got my support for everything in the future to come so you get a new movie anything new you want to work on you want to talk about it just hit me up so you'll be the first excellent well McLean, thanks so much for being on the podcast this was cool i enjoyed it
1: hells yeah man it was it was awesome can't wait to uh check out your link and uh rock out in my basement get all sledgy with some doom metal and, oh, you uh, <laughs> turned that shit up too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I knew we were kindred spirits. So yeah, yeah. Keep, keep keep that flame alive, brother. Uh, let's, keep, let's keep it crusty, all right?
0: Always, man. You take it easy and have a good one. Always, love life. Later.
1: hurts.